England to USA, the Netherlands and Senegal advance to the round of 16 in the FIFA World Cup in Qatar. Neither England nor the Netherlands face much challenge in their third games. The USA edged Iran by one goal to join them. The game between Senegal and Ecuador was the most intense one. Ecuador might be the better team, but Senegal were much hungrier for victory. Welcome back to CGTN Sports Talk. I am Li Xiang, and I'm glad to be joined by my colleague Josh here. Great to be back. Hey, so first, want to congratulate the three Lions for you know a sweeping win over Wales and then advancing to the round of 16. Yeah, it's a、uh, one of those things where I'm so used to not being confident. That I look at every single result and think, like, surely this can't be true. Something's got to be going on here. The thing which has me kind of nervous this time is we've topped the group, which is something we haven't done. I believe it was two thousand and six. Oh, that, that was a time. long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. So it's one of those things where I feel like I'm so used to seeing us scraping through, needing a big win on the last day. That to be in the situation where we're basically we're guaranteed to go through. The only way we couldn't go through is if Iran won, but also if Wales beat England by four clear goals. Yeah, I never. So we、coming. were basically, yeah. yeah. So we were basically guaranteed to go through.、Um, even so, I, you know, that's that, again. It's one of those things where I wonder how much of this is intentional, how much is not, because. Wales were abject. They were already way shooting beyond their limits, and now they have nothing to play for. They can't go through. They weren't particularly trying their best. So to be forty-five minutes goalless against them is not the best.、Mm-hmm. But then, when you realise that for that entire forty-five minutes, basically England were. Fine, no, no threats, no nothing. They were completely closing down Wales on everything they were trying to do. Then in the second half, came out with、um, a few with a few switchovers. I noticed, and they made a big deal of this on the commentary, that Marcus Rashford and Phil Foden had swapped sides, which is one of those things where perhaps it's just a case of Gareth Southgate rotation, trying new things, seeing what works. But whatever it is. That he did, it worked absolutely incredibly because on the fiftieth minute, Rashford got that free kick, which is just basically direct, directly across the across the box into the far side of the goal. Then sixty seconds later, you have Phil Foden who was starting on the right. He kind of darted across to the left as Kane cut in behind him, crossed directly in front of the goal, leaving at least. Five, if not six, of the Welsh backline just kind of standing there watching the ball go very slowly across to be knocked in by Phil Foden, and then towards the end, Rashford again kind of played in by Calvin Phillips, and he just kind of decided to take it himself. He looked like he was going to cross it in instead, did a step over and scored. And it's one of those things where every single one of those goals. Shows a player in the ascendancy, a player given time and space. But a thing which particularly stands out with Marcus Rashford is a player who has regained his confidence. You know, if you would have asked me, even at the before the start of the tournament, the first game, should Rashford be in the team? I'd have probably said no、mm. because 
he has just looked just unhappy, just mm-hmm. not very good for a long time. Ten Hag got him back in the squad performing, and that's one thing. But he's basically been a passenger. Well, in fact, no, he hasn't even played. Now I think about that. I, I, either he was on the bench as a passenger, or he wasn't even playing in Nations League friendlies, whatever. So to see him back and playing like this, it's absolutely fantastic. I'm still not sure what I feel about Harry Kane being three games in, no goals, but directly involved in basically every goal mm-hmm. besides for the free kick. You know, he is currently leading the silver boot, which is the assists, uh, the assists trophy. Mm-hmm. And you've like again, like I say, I'd like to see him scoring, get on the team sheet, but at the same time, he's so dynamic in this false nine role even though he doesn't do that for Tottenham he's never done it before I just like seeing all these different options all these different goal scorers all these different ways of play that we haven't seen for a while because as as we'll get on to later on the more variety you have in this tournament the harder you are to beat Mm, that's true I think now I understand kind of understand why Southgate insists that he had to take um, Rashford and Harry Maguire with him because both apparently made key contributions to the team in the World Cup. So as long as England can keep it together and keep going on, I think the goal will finally happen for Harry Kane. And when it does in a knockout game, it will mean so much more than it does in a group game. Also, good news for England that you didn't have to face the Netherlands so early in round of 16, mm. which also topped Group A for the third game in a row. Cody Gakpo yeah. scored first for Netherlands. Yeah, this was a weird game because with the two games being gone at the same time, I was kind of flicking across back and forth. And the thing is with the Netherlands is the Netherlands are... I feel like symptomatic of a trend that we're seeing in this tournament. I would say the Netherlands, Spain, Germany, maybe Argentina, I'm Mm -hmm. not so sure, above all, in the sense of you have these teams that are full of great players who are great at moving the ball, then it reaches the top end of the pitch and they don't know where to go. They don't have a real number nine, a real centre-forward who they can rely on to score goals. You know, this is a team where I feel like, yes, they're top of the group and everything. They've they've won. It's undeniable that they're a good team. But if you had, say, Robin Van Persie or someone up front, it would have been out of sight. It would have been 3-4 in every game by the looks of it because they're so good at getting the ball to the top. Um, again, it's a situation where I don't know what to take as a positive and what as a negative by virtue of who the opponents were. Because Qatar are Qatar, basically. Mm. They are now by far the worst host nation to ever host a tournament. Yeah. One goal for, seven against, no points. Um, they were just kind of there. You know, it's not even a case of, well, the home crowd is there. They're going to play the heart out, try to get something back. They were just as middling as they have been all the way through and for the Netherlands to struggle so much in breaking that down in getting the goals I makes me wonder what happens when they do face tough opposition yeah so based on what you just said how far do you think the Netherlands and England can go and which team may go further 
I feel like the I feel like England is likely to go further because, like I say, they are one of the few teams where it feels like goals can come from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Feels like they can hit you from free kicks, crosses in the box. Doesn't matter if it's Harry Kane or not, because because everyone who plays basically midfield forward is savvy enough with the ball that they can be a goal threat. Whereas with the Netherlands team, I would say man for man, I'd probably rank them equal, if not better, in some areas. At least going forward, I feel like Van Dijk is significantly on the on the downswing of his career now. Mm-hmm. But you have Memphis Depay up front, who is, you know, at one point was highly touted as like, you know, uh, the next big thing, I guess. He was the mm-hmm. next big talent for Netherlands, and he's not being able to do anything. He can barely hit a, a barn door from 20 yards. Valt Veghorst is a big target man who you think should be able to play up front in a front two with someone pacier. Nothing seems to reach him. Not, he doesn't seem to really be involved in the rest of the game. Um, it was good to see uh, Frankie de Jong get on the goal sheet as well. But again, it's these these players who you hear about as being talented and they earn it for their club teams, but then you realise they aren't as young as you think they are. They aren't as prolific as you expect. And I get the I could see Netherlands being knocked out in the round of sixteen because their opponents are just pacier than they are and willing to move the ball faster. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's better to have a flexible squad like England that you can see anyone make stand out and make a contributions. As for the Netherlands, like you said, they have uh, talented guys in certain positions, but I don't see any of them remind me of, say, Alian Robin or uh, yeah. Snyder type. They don't really... They, they lack that kind of genius that will make things totally different with one or two plays. The yeah. Netherlands, yeah the, um, England will first meet Senegal in r- the round of 16. How much resistance do you think Senegal will you know put up for England? Because they did a pretty good job uh, el- eliminating Ecuador. Yeah, so, so one of the reasons why I think England are likely to progress because they have so many options mm-hmm. is with Ecuador, from the very beginning... Sorry, uh, from the very beginning, it's been pretty much the same thing. Estupinian gets the ball on the left wing, runs up the pitch, then either plays in Valencia or plays in Caicedo, who then plays in Valencia. Senegal knew that from the start. And with Enna Valencia not being fully healthy, mm-hmm. he wasn't as agile as he was previously. So they didn't have to do too much to shut him down with uh, Koulibaly and Sabali basically turning to like cut him off and then head towards either, again, Caicedo or Stupinan and then put him into like double coverage, man coverage, whatever it was, limit his movement, limit his ball movement. And by doing that, they couldn't do anything. I mean, all the goals came from dead ball situations. Mm-hmm. But it's very telling that it's because Ismail Star broke through on his own. Let's get taken down, which is to say that the team is developing, Senegal team is developing a way of playing without Sadio Mane. Whereas with the um, Ecuador goal, it came in from a cross, more like a goal line scramble, 
And then after that, they basically had no chances for the remainder of the game. Uh, once again, um, it's one of those situations where they got hit quickly on the counter. But the difference with the um, free kick goal that uh, Koulibaly scored is he basically made space for himself, saw the opportunity and scored quite clearly, which is which again, I feel is a sign that this team is growing slowly into with being able to play without their star. Whereas Ecuador is so reliant on their star that when he's injured, they don't really have anyone else available. And the route of playing to him is so limited. I mean, I look on the, the far side of the pitch and you have like um, Angelo Preciado. Mm-hmm. He was playing until like the 80th minute or something before he was replaced. And I couldn't really tell you anything he did. Like the right side of the pitch was basically there as a reserve in case the ball headed in that direction. They were so linear, so one-dimensional. It was only a matter of time before they got caught. Mm. So in the Netherlands, will meet the USA. USA, after uh, they beat Iran, they actually made me think it's a very interesting team because after the two draws, also very boring draws against Wales and England, people were like, USA, they... What were they doing here if they're not working hard enough to do that? But actually, their win against Iran, that was only by one goal, it's pretty solid because Iran didn't have many opportunities to even try to break defensive line. And USA, if, again, their way of playing is not that interesting, but it's good enough for them to win and join the round of 16, though they have to face the Netherlands. Yeah, that's it. I felt like for massive chunks of this game the United States was playing from a position of like trying not to lose rather than trying to win Mm -hmm. and not even necessarily a bad way more in a way that they were just so adept at shutting down uh, Terrain and Asmoon up front that they couldn't really do anything and then when Iran switched it up and brought more players on to to be in attacking mode it felt almost as if going from two at the front, they became like three at the front. I think they switched from 4-4-2 to 4-3-3. Either way, it felt like then they lost their shape and there was almost too many options for them and they weren't uh, tactically smart enough to know how to use it properly. Whereas with the United States, every time they shut the ball down, they got the ball forward as quick as possible. Serginio Dest... This is the first time I've seen him play and like he lived up to the reputation of him because he is all the way bossing that right wing. And in fact, yeah, it was him who set up Christian Pulisic, who I feel like sums up how they won and how they've got to this stage where the ball gets crossed in and Pulisic just runs at it. It's like, it doesn't matter if he would have hit that cleanly, if he would have glanced it, if he would have took it on his chest, he was just running like a freight train just to knock that ball in the goal. Like he got so badly injured running into Baron Vand that I believe he had to come off for a couple of minutes. In fact, no, he had to, he, could, he came off for a couple of minutes, went back on, and then yes, he didn't start the second half. So he got injured scoring the goal, but he just threw himself at it and was so passionate behind it that that kind of summed sums up that team like they just have a will to win even if the tactics aren't good enough even if as a team they don't have much cohesion um 
It also would have been two if Timothy Weyer would have stayed on side. Mm-hmm. He was only slightly off. But I think that was his second or third chance. Each one, he seemed to be getting closer and closer and closer. He is a really solid attacking talent. Like, I get the feeling we talk about Pulisic because he plays in the Premier League. He plays for Chelsea. Yeah, He is, he is a good player, don't get me wrong. But I feel like the star almost, or the one with the most talent waiting to be unleashed is Timothy Weyer. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the World Cup, or also a European Championship, when, of course, you need your biggest star to perform to win, but actually, you you want it, and your opponents know you want it. So, your biggest star will always be the biggest target for your opponent's mm-hmm. defense. That's why now, you need the second or third or fourth one in command to send out and do the first one's work. And apparently, like you said, Villa is now probably the hidden hero of the USA. That's mm-hmm. uh, my choice of words. Yeah, I, I think so, and they and Weston McKenney as well, mm-hmm. another player who I kind of heard of. It's one of those ones where you hear about him being a like he's one of those weird ones because he's an American, but he plays in Italy, and that alone kind of gets people talking about it. It's kind of like the way people talk about basically when any Premier League player goes and plays in Europe somewhere, like Tammy Abraham, for example, did really well at Roma. It kind of stands out because players don't typically go in that direction. Seeing an American at Juventus, well, the discussion around him was like, yeah, he's a midfielder, but dot, 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 he's an American at Juventus. You don't normally see that. Mm -hmm. Seeing him here on the world stage, it seems completely justified. He is so good uh, as as a midfielder on playing slightly to the right keeping the ball moving, playing in Pulisic and where he is he's like a engine almost for that team. And I think that's the thing which will carry them going forward, like I was saying. It's just like momentum they have, the belief to win, just giving it their all. It's kind of stereotypically in terms of like that's the American persona of doing things. Mm-hmm. But in a tournament that's already quite cagey, with teams like I say that are lacking decisive finishes that could be enough to take them i mean i'd say they get it to the quarters i think yeah so like the, the names you mentioned some of them don't really get the much attention they deserve if they really upset the netherlands in the round of 16 they will get it and there will be only more on the way yeah well that's that's the thing with the u.s you look at a team like this and you look at how fast mls is expanding how popular the Premier League has become in the States. And I do think to myself sometimes, all the United States needs is a big knockout win against a giant, a Netherlands, in this scenario. I feel like that would give them so much legitimacy that I kind of want to see it, just to see what impact that has on football culture in the United States. Yeah, that's what I want to see now. And I think so much for today. Thank you for listening. Hopefully we'll be hearing from you guys very soon tomorrow. See ya. Speak to you then. Bye-bye.